a flat piece on the top and my arm would go into it and then it would be Velcroed onto me. Now with these crutches, if you lift your arm up, the bloody crutch goes with you. So, and you try and do something. So they're stuck you, to you. <laughs> and they stuck to you. So obviously the frustration was like, these crutches have got and to go. How do you scratch yourself when you like have an itch like with those with those things on? Oh, oh no, you don't. You just don't? You don't. You, you don't. just live with the itch. <laughs> you just live with the itch. And that is one of the most frustrating things, I promise you. <laughs> and we're live. We're live. Are you ready? So... This week on the Wide Awake podcast, I'm sure you've noticed that we're in a bit of a different location here. Um, I'm currently in Durban. And the reason for that is I came here to talk to an absolutely incredible lady called Shannon Lee Fisser. Um, yeah, she has been through an incredible amount over the past few years. And she's actually someone I've known since I was much younger. Yeah, so welcome to the studio, Shannon. I mean, uh, Josh, thank you so much for having me here. So... Over the past few years, you have been through just so much. And I mean, you're, you're a quadruple amputee. Can you tell us a little bit about how that happened and the context behind your story? Sure. Um, in 2017, I became a quadruple amputee due to septicemia. But I didn't just have septicemia, I had DIC as well, which meant my blood was bleeding and clotting at the same time. Um, on the 15th of January 2017, I was bitten on my left hand by a mongoose. I didn't think much of it. Um, I went and I washed it off and disinfected it and I carried on with life. And um, on the 17th of January, I was at work. Um, everything was fine. I had to go to my daughter's parent-teachers meeting. I managed to drive myself there. And during the parent-teachers meeting, I felt a little bit nauseous. So I excused myself. I went to the ladies and when I got to the ladies, I passed out. I wasn't feeling very lacquer when I woke up. So I thought, I'm not going to go back into the meeting. I'm going to try and get myself home. I managed to get home, stopping and feeling nauseous and stuff. And when I got to the door, because I was staying with my boss at the time, uh, she opened the door and said, you look a bit grey. I said, well, I'm not feeling very well. I feel a bit cold and that. So got into bed and put a lot of blankets on me and yeah, I slept that night. I didn't manage to wake up in the morning to get my daughter to school. Thank goodness our children went to the same school. And that day consisted of me getting up, throwing up, passing out. And um, we worked from home in the garage. So there were colleagues at the house as well. So at about two o'clock, I thought, let's try and get through to the kitchen and have something to drink. And it was while I was on my way to the kitchen, I collapsed and a colleague found me. And she called my boss. And when I came around, my boss was standing above me and she said, no, something's not right. We've got to get you to the hospital. On my way to the hospital, um, my hands and feet, I had this horrible, horrible, awful pain. It was like they were on fire. And when I got to casualty, I said to the nurse that my hands and feet are on fire. And when she got me on the stretcher, she felt, she felt them and she said, no, they're ice cold. And that was the last I remember. And I mean, this all happened so quickly. What was, I mean, what was your life like before all of this happened? Well, Josh, this happened when I was 34. So I was still quite young. Um, I'm a mother. I'm a wife. Um, I have one daughter. So life was very, very busy. A, a normal life, a normal mother life. I mean, it must have been such a scary adjustment to make. I mean, going from just this normal usual kind of everyday life to in and out of hospital and just this 
I mean, I, I can't imagine what, what you were going through. Can you tell me a little bit about that adjustment? Well, Josh, um, when I got to the hospital, obviously I then passed out and um, I was rushed through to ICU. I was put into an induced coma. And um, over the next couple of days, I had lots and lots of blood tests done on me to find out what exactly was going on, what had caused all of this, because my organs were failing. Um, my body wasn't responding to anything. And um, yeah, they had to figure out how to stop and treat me. And um, they didn't give me much chance of survival. Eventually, I was around about the 24th of January, 25th of January, somewhere there, my family was called in and um, the doctors said that if my body doesn't start responding to these antibiotics, um, then there's, there's unfortunately nothing much they can do. And um, thank goodness, the new antibiotics, my body started responding, my, my blood cell count, white blood cell count started to climb. And they said, okay, fine, we've just got to let her body do what it needs to do. Um, I landed up in hospital, I think it was on the Thursday. By the Saturday, my hands and feet were really black. My nose was black. My lips were black. So my family could see exactly what was going on, what had transpired. And um, they obviously knew that there was going to be a long, hard road ahead of me. On the 29th of January, I was brought out of the coma. Um, I was fully out the coma on the 30th of January um, to to a voice saying, welcome back. And I looked around and thought, hold on, wait, I don't remember going anywhere, you know. Needless to say, I didn't know what my body had gone through, um, how close to death's door I was, that my kidneys and my liver and everything had, had shut down. Um, and did they amputate while you were in a coma? No, they, they didn't. They were waiting to see now because my body had started responding to the antibiotics that maybe my limbs would would start responding and and come alive. Um, they didn't tell me about what had happened straight after I'd come out the coma because when you're in a coma, your body goes through a huge trauma. I mean, my body was shutting down and, you know, it was a big thing for my body to go through. So coming out, they didn't want to bombard me with everything that was going on. I just couldn't understand why my legs and feet were bound up because they were both, all of them just bound with, with towels and everything. And um, whenever I asked the nurses, you know, why can't I move? Why can't I get up? They would just say, you know, just relax. You, you've gone through a lot, you know. And uh, it was during one of the bed baths because obviously I couldn't move. I couldn't sit. My body was very, very weak. Um, the nurse didn't cover my hands quick enough and I saw them. And uh, she then called the physician and said, listen, she's seen her hands. You now need to tell her what is going on. And um, the doctor came in and he told me that, unfortunately, my hands and feet had died. They had, you know, tried to leave it as long as possible to see if those would respond to, to the treatment. And unfortunately, they hadn't. They didn't want to then tell me that my, my face had also been affected. I couldn't understand why I, I was batting to talk. And that was because my tongue, my tongue had also been affected by it. So they then said that the only way we can you know, help you is to amputate. And I said, you know what, I've got a daughter that looks up to me. If I give up now and break down, what example that's going to be to her? I said, you got to do what you got to do. I've got to show my daughter that it doesn't matter what is put in front of her, she can tackle it head on and conquer it as long as she's got that, that positive mindset. And obviously because it's not an everyday in hospital that somebody has to have their hands and both hands and both feet amputated, you know, maybe one amputation – 
every now and then in a hospital, but um, because this was not the norm, there was different doctors that would come past the ICU and look in and see what's going on. And unfortunately, one of the doctors that didn't know that I didn't know about my face said, okay, you're going to amputate her hands and her feet. What are you going to do about her face? And that was when he realized, oh, oh this young lady doesn't know about her face yet. And, and I know you're, I mean, we were talking about this just now, you're extremely positive. And it's like, it's an incredible thing to see. But at the same time, I know that obviously it's not all positive. And um, there must be moments where, like that moment, especially where maybe you found out, like there was just thing after thing after thing piling up on you. Now it's your legs and it's your hands and now it's your face. I mean, what was going through your mind in those moments? Josh, I just, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. But like I said, I had to find a way to be positive because I, I couldn't give up because of my daughter. I just, that was my, my thing to keep on going. Besides my family that was around me, um, it was, I've got a little one. You know, she was in primary school then. Um, she needed her mom, you know, and that was what, what kept me going. Look, there were extremely difficult times, um, especially when I just came out the coma. I had terrible nightmares that I thought things were had seriously happened. Um, seeing things, believing things, um, and yeah, learning how to to do everything again. And um, I was going to ask. I mean, it's like complete restart. Correct. It's, I mean. Josh, going from a, an able-bodied, dependent, uh, sorry, not dependent, independent, able-bodied person that could get in the car and go and do things and didn't have to wait on anybody to do anything to all of a sudden being completely dependent on others. Um, it was very difficult, very difficult. And thank goodness I had a very good team of physiotherapists and occupational therapists around me and uh, psychologists that um, were there to get me through it. And... Um, determination to to get back and do what I am physically able to do. And um, I challenge the physiotherapist and the occupational therapist all the time because they would say, right, let's try this. And I would like just do it like 100% and put every energy that I had into it to because I knew, I mean, especially as a woman, Josh, you don't want to depend on other people, you know. And I thought, okay, if I can feed myself, I'm going to do it. If I can dress myself, I'm going to do it. If I can bath myself, I'm going to do it. And I found a way to do it. And the only thing that I don't do, because I, in my vocabulary, vocabulary, there's no word as such word as can't. Can't is not a word in my vocabulary. If I say to you, I'm unable to do it, you know I've tried every way to do it. And that thing I'm just not able to do. So the only things I'm not able to do, obviously, is drive. Um, I don't cook. My husband cooks for me and he cuts everything up very, very small. So I can, those are the only things that I don't do. I feed myself, I bath myself, I dress myself. I've got an electric wheelchair so I can get around myself. Um, I used to be able to walk. I had my prosthetic legs, but that's the story that we'll get on a little bit later. So yeah, Everybody has their good days and their bad days and just like everybody else, I, I go through those as well. But I try and look on the, the positive side that 
these people out there that are quadruple or uh, paraplegics that can't move, that can't get up and sit up and feed themselves or dress themselves. So I try and look at that side of things and have my little moment of, you know, this is not going well or whatever and then realize what I can do. And um, I, I think this is like, you obviously have an amazing support system around you. I mean, your family's here today. Yes. And uh, they just look, I mean, they look like absolutely amazing people. They are. They just reassure me that, you know, they're there for me. They're there to help me and support me. And look, there's sometimes, um, I must admit, I get lazy to do things. And then my husband will say to me, Shan, you can do this. <laughs> you know, you can do this. And he knows when I can and when I'm not able to. And when I'm not able to because I've tried every way, then he's supportive and he'll help me. But he's not there to baby me. That's not what I want from him. And I don't want self-pity and and feeling sorry for me. That's not what I want. So in that way, I'm glad that he he's strong in that way to say, hold on, wait. You, you're sort of putting, excuse my language, putting the piss out of me now. You can do this, you know, just get around it, get your mind together and and do it. And so my, they push you. They push me, yeah, which is good. Um, and I it seems like you push yourself as well a lot. I do. I do. A very, very strong mindset. And yeah, no, that's... And Josh, I didn't always have this positive... I was I just talk, about to ask. I didn't always have it. Um, when I went into my very first operation, which was amputation on my legs, you don't normally look around the operating room and, and something kept on saying to me, Shan, look behind you. Shan, look behind you. And I got up, not got up, but I sat up on the on the operating bed and I looked behind me and there was a cross. And I knew there and then that my believer was with me and he would help me get through anything that's put in front of me. And that so, you'd be okay. And that I'd be okay, yeah. And, um, I mean, how has this affected your family? Do you think you guys have become stronger from it? We have definitely become stronger, Josh. Definitely become stronger. And um, a little bit of a truth that the reason why I was in PE was because my husband and I were going through a very difficult time. And um, So you were, we were separated? Uh, yeah, or? we were at each other's throats the whole time. And then the the business that I worked for, they moved their, their head, head office from Durban to PE. And um, I said to him, you know, I've got this opportunity to go down to PE. And we mutually decided let's separate and, you know, give it a bit of break and, and see what happens. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, I took this, my situation and what I had gone through to realize, for us to realize that we need each other. And, uh, and when this happened, back. he came straight? He came straight there. Yeah. And has been by your side the whole time? He has been by my side the whole time, yes. And that's a love story if I've ever heard one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and can you tell me a bit about him maybe? Um, um, he's, well, he's nine years older than me, so there's quite a bit of an age gap. So, um, yeah, I met him. I was standing on the one side of um, the road waiting for my bus to school and he was standing on the other side of the road waiting for his lift to work. So <laughs> that's how we sort of um, met. And, I mean, living in such a small town, my parents had the the cafe, the top shop, and, um, yeah, we'd see each other all the time and stuff. And it was only after I finished school that um, we started going out. And next year, 2021, will be 20 years that... Um, 
we've been together. So it's been a very, very long time. Um, by trade, he's a, a fitter. And yeah, very supportive and we've, we've grown close. Look, we like everybody has their good days and their bad days and we do still fight and argue, but not anything like it was before. So, yeah. And I want to know, because I mean, I read that you've had, and you, you've told me that you've had how many surgeries? 69. 69 surgeries. Correct. I mean, how are you able to pay for these surgeries? Well, um, I've got a very, very good medical aid. They've been there for for me. Um, of course, there are some things that are that they don't cover. So, unfortunately, with everything I've gone through, Josh, um, the surgeries, the multiple surgeries, the healing period, I'm not able to work. So, I rely fully on fundraising, and um, that helps with the the medical costs and my day to day living. And what what are some of the major surgeries besides for the, the amputations have have you had? Um, well, I lost my nose. I lost my lips. Um, the longest surgery I had was 13 hours and that was to rebuild my lips where um, I had to have a, a tissue expander put into my leg where every week I had to go and have saline put in it. And once I had, I think it was between 350 and 400 mils of saline and this huge bump on my leg. Um, once the skin had stretched, I then had it put onto my lips and um, I had these Everybody, well, most girls want these huge lips, but I had lips like out to here. Massive. <laughs> massive lips, like duck lips for miles, for days. <laughs> and um, the sad thing is, Josh, um, I couldn't breathe with this. So they had to put a tracheotomy in. Well, was, it, was, was it blocking? I your... was blocking the airways, yes. Okay. And um, because um, my nose, I don't have a normal nose, the nostrils aren't big enough to get enough oxygen in. And so I had to have a tracheotomy and, yeah, I landed up back in ICU for a while. So that was a major surgery. With my nose, it was through skin grafts on my legs and a piece of rib. And um, it was actually built on my head over here, facing upwards and nostrils to get the blood supply and all that. And once the blood supply was there, then they swung it around and put it on my on my face. So that was also a major surgery. And then also with the the lips, you the body's natural reaction when you cut yourself is to heal it. Now, because I didn't have the natural lips, the body saw this opening as a cut and it had to heal. So the mouth would shrink and shrink and shrink where at one stage I couldn't even get a teaspoon out of my mouth. I saw a photo. I think it was, it was in a magazine somewhere. Um, and I saw your mouth is very different today than it was back then. Yes. So well, back then when I had that first mag magazine with you and Hayes Kronowitz, the that um, story done, I hadn't had my lips done yet. So you don't have that problem anymore today? No, no. They've managed to um, cut. Every time I had to go into a surgery, they would have to cut the sides and stitch them to, for the body to realize, hold on, I must stop, stop closing. <laughs> and um, I mean, this must, it must get so exhausting just in and out of hospital all the time. I mean... How do you, I, I know we've kind of covered this a little bit, but how do you deal with that? Just constant, and do you ever see there being an end to this? At one stage I didn't, um, but the doctors have said I've got about another 20 more ops to to go. So whenever I have go to my, now I call it my second home because the hospital has become like my second home. 
when I go to my second home, I say, right, today's operation is one step closer to the end. So that's how I'm getting through these these last little bits of, of operation. So. And what if some of the, because I mean, it's not just been all doom and gloom. No. I mean, what are some of the amazing things that have happened since this whole journey started? Well, the support system and um, the prayers and the support and the messages that I've received from people I've never ever met that I don't know that have reached out on um, Instagram and on Facebook and said, you know, I had a really crappy day today and then I saw your story and I, it just uh, brought me so much motivation and inspiration and, you know, I feel that if I have changed somebody else's mindset and the way that they think and look, have their outlook on life changed, then my job's done. Then, then what I'm doing is is the right thing. I know that what I'm doing, sharing my story, telling people what I've gone through, is changing their lives, and it it brings happiness to me, and it it keeps me going. And do you ever feel like sometimes people just aren't listening? Oh yeah, definitely. Some people have their own minds made up, and um, They, they think that I'm just trying to um, get attention and seek attention and, um, yeah. And that's that's a sad part where I'm, I'm not that person. If you get to know me, I'm not an attention seeker. I don't want all the limelight on me. If I mean, if you if you see the interviews I have done, it's, it's mostly about helping other people and um, getting their stories out and helping them get through what they're going through. It's not them helping me get through what I'm going through because that's not what I'm about. But also like there's nothing wrong with having attention, you know, especially when you have a powerful story to tell that can impact someone else's life in a positive way. I mean, you, you say you, you're talking about the Shan show now. Can you tell yes. us a little bit about that? Well, the Shan show, <coughs> excuse me. The Shan show came about because I used to have prosthetic legs and um, I was up, walking on them the very first day I got them. The physio, the sorry, not the physiotherapist, the prosthetic guy in PE, he brought my prosthetic legs to me and said, right, today we're going to sit and stand. And he didn't know how determined and my powerful mindset. And I looked at him and I said, I haven't had my legs for how many months now? You're going to put them in front of me and then you're going to put them on me and say, today we're going to sit and stand. I said, no, this isn't good enough. And uh, You wanted to run. I wanted to run. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw a walker in the gymnasium because um, I had to obviously go to rehab. Now, not like you. I didn't go to rehab for a drug problem or anything. I went to rehab to learn how to do life again. And physical therapy. Physical therapy and, and that. So I used to do therapy every single day. And um, I saw a, a walker in the gymnasium and I said, please bring me the walker. And he like, looked at me and he said, Okay. And he brought me the walker and I stood up and I walked. And from that day, from the moment I opened my eyes till the moment I went to sleep, I was on my legs walking. And this was for about eight months. And how do you balance without without your arms? Well, first I was walking with a walker. Okay. And then it was crutches. And is the walker like attached to you in some way or do you use your The your walker arms? was, um, it, it had Velcro around it. So it okay. was Velcro to me. The same with the crutches. It didn't have those things that you put your arm in. With special crutches, it had like a, a flat piece on the top. 
and my arm would go into it and then it would be Velcroed onto me. Now with these crutches, if you lift your arm up, the bloody crutch goes with you. So, and you try and do something. So they're stuck to you. (laughs) And they're stuck to you. So obviously the frustration was like, these crutches have got to go. How do you scratch yourself? When you like have an itch like with those with those things on. Oh, oh no, you don't. You just don't. You don't. You, you don't. just live with the itch. <laughs> you just live with the itch. And that is one of the most frustrating things, I promise you. <laughs> oh, but anyway, tell me more about the Shan show. The Shan show came about because um obviously I, I then couldn't I got um, very allergic to the legs, the liners of the legs. Um after about eight months I got a very, very bad rash. So um went to different prosthetic guys try to see how we can adjust these legs and everything for me to be able to use them. And there was just nothing. We tried everything. And then another prosthetic guy I went to here in Durban. He looked at this and he said, no, Shan, the only way to do this is through a procedure called osseointegration. Now, this is when they put a titanium rod into existing bone in your leg and the prosthetic is attached directly to that. He said, but firstly, we've got to go to a... A presentation in Cape Town and see if you are actually a candidate for this. So in January 2019, I flew down to Cape Town and uh, went and saw this presentation and um, the surgeon who's the who's uh, orthopedic surgeon from Stellenbosch came through. The main surgeon would be a, a doctor from Australia who would fly out to South Africa but just for the presentation, it was the, the guy who would be helping him in, at the Stellenbosch Medi Clinic. He came through, he looked and everything, examined my legs, and he said, you definitely are a candidate for this procedure. But it has never been done in South Africa through medical aid. So now it was a tedious task of motivation, letters, um, Evidence, all that compiling to send through to medical aid to get the procedure passed. And they won't cover it? Um, After a year of backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards, um, more motivation, more pictures and all that stuff, they came back in June last year and said, unfortunately, they can't cover this procedure. They don't know what the outcome is going to be, the success rates. And um, because it hadn't been done in South Africa before, they just, they unfortunately can't help me. If I wanted to ever walk again, I would have to raise the funds myself. Now, I'm not a paraplegic. I'm bound to the wheelchair because I don't have my legs. And that was when we had to find a way of raising 1.1 million rand. Now, it sounds a lot, but this is for two legs because I've lost both legs. It includes the the hospital, it includes the rehabilitation and the physiotherapy after that. It includes all the components and everything. It includes almost everything. Everything, yeah. So um, my cousin, who's a publicist, who helped me with all the other um, U Magazine interviews and all that stuff, um, she obviously has a lot of contacts and she was talking to them and it was a producer of Idol South Africa and Survivor she was talking to them and they said, wow, you know, let's get some more information about this lady and see how we can help. And my uncle went in and because he's um, involved with my trust where all my fundraising goes into and spoke to them and they said, let's let's see what we can do for this young lady. And uh, first they were talking about a reality TV show, but I think the, 
the net and TV is bombarded with reality TV shows. And also my daughter's quite young and it's quite invasive on her life, you know. So they said, okay, fine, let's do something where Shan interviews other people that have also gone through hardships and um, how they've overcome their hardships and see if we can raise the funds that way. And that is how the Shan show came about. So there I told my story. I did a short documentary on myself. And I interviewed, I've got six episodes out at the moment on Alpha Stream SA's YouTube channel and on my Facebook page where I've interviewed people that have, some of them have been born with a disability, some have got an internal disability where they're batting with depression and stuff where you wouldn't even realize that they've, you know, they're going through something. Um, drug addict as well, um, where he was a crystal meth addict and he kicked the habit by going, um, and doing exercise and staying healthy. And he wrote a book on being a meth addict to a marathon runner. So, yeah, that's how the Shane show came about, was to help me raise funds to to get this operation done and get back on my legs. And how much have you managed to raise so far? Josh, it's been a bit difficult because of COVID and all that. I think I've... People are struggling and they don't have... People are struggling yeah. and they don't have it, but every little bit, bit counts. But... Um, I don't even think I've made, managed to raise 100000 so far. It's It's been very, very difficult. And, um, yeah, I've just got to try every which way and to get my story out there and to try and get people to help me. Well, I think you've tried a lot. I know, I've, you know you've been on, like, uh, the news quite a bit. You've been on radio shows. Yes. Let's see what we can do. Everyone watching, I'm going to put your backer buddy link in the bottom and let's see what we can do. Let's see if we can beat all the mainstream media and everyone. It's a little podcast. Let's see how much we can raise. See what we can do to give you a chance to get your legs. I would really appreciate that. And I mean, with my story helping other people, I just hope that they can open their hearts and, and help me. And I mean, what are your some of your other dreams? Like, obviously, to walk again is probably top priority. What are some of the other things? Is to be able to drive again. I love driving and getting in the car and, you know, going places and it, it makes you very, very independent. It gives you your independence back, yeah. Correct, yes. And also not, you know, then I can and take my daughter out and go shopping and stuff like that. Whereas now it's, you know, mom and daughter likes going shopping for clothes and makeup and strolling around the malls and stuff. Where now I, I can't do that. Sorry, not I can't. I'm unable to do that. <laughs> I've got to ask my husband, can you please take us? You know, and then the husband doesn't like walking around shops looking at girly things. So, you know, the shopping trips are ob often cut short because, you know, he's getting a bit irritated and he wants to go home now, which I understand. You know, it's not it's not his thing you know, to do, to go shopping with girls and stuff like that. So that would be nice to just get my independence back a little bit more. And did you ever see the video of me teaching my housekeeper, Caroline, how to drive? I did. I said, Once we get your legs, <laughs> we can do a driving with Shannon Lee. There we go. There we go. It's on. It's a date, Josh. It's a You're date. In. I'm in. Okay. I'm in. As long as it's automatic, I'm in. It's definitely on. I, I only drive automatics. I'm like the worst driver ever. I'm getting a bit better, but... Um, yeah, I mean, when I was younger, I was oy, in car accident after car accident. And um, yeah, it's it's actually amazing that I'm still here today because there was a few calls where it was like. Just <laughs> like me, your angels are watching over you, Josh. Something is watching over us. Something is eh? watching over us, Josh. They, they don't want us up there. <laughs> Not yet. 
And um, I mean, we've known each other for, for quite a long time. For a very long time, Josh. And very long. The, the last time I saw you was in, you said 2017, eh? Correct, yeah. <sighs> and I've known you since you were a, a naughty little boy, Josh. And I, I even said to my daughter when we were watching your podcast, I said, oh, I can remember Josh, he was so naughty. Always getting up to something. Not bad, malicious naughty, but kid naughty, you know, but... Said to you, oh, Josh, when he was younger, he was always up to something. Do you have any like memories of me doing anything? Jackass stuff. The jackass and- videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I can remember the shame, your poor dad, and that um, trailer. The trailer. Oh, you saw that in the lot in the first podcast we did, eh? Man, <laughs> yeah. We, my dad, never, he never had anything nice. Because, because anytime, of you. <laughs> anytime he had anything nice, I would break it. I mean, I remember when I, when I was living in Zimbabwe still when I was younger, um, I took keys from from his, he had a go-kart. And I took the keys and I hoid them in the petrol tank of the go-kart. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't malicious. I was just like a naughty little shit, eh? I was just a naughty boy. Trying to keep yourself occupied and entertained. <laughs> <laughs> it was very hard to keep me occupied and entertained, I tell you. That's why you had to do it yourself and find things to do and yeah. yeah. And I of, often brought the, the torment that Back is home. No, to Durban. Because <laughs> obviously yes. my I mean, you're friends with my auntie. She lives here, she's yes. lived here for a long time. And um yeah, I mean I would come here with my cousin Colton and uh yeah, just cause, cause mayhem. Cause absolute mayhem. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was, the last time we saw each other, obviously things were so different, eh? But Josh, that was the good old days. Nowadays, kids wouldn't be able to do half the stuff that you did. They can't go out and do anything. They, you know, and it's sad. It's sad that they can't be kids and experiment. And I'm not saying going as far as you did, but yeah, we took it a bit too far. But yeah, it's it's just sad that they they can't live the the life that we lived when we were younger. And just before we end off, I want to ask you: Do you have any ex- like? I'm sure. Over this process, you must have had some incredibly funny moments as well, where it's just like, you, do you, I mean, do you have any like funny <laughs> stories to tell? Um, yes, from going to my very first uh, shopping experience, and they said that I'm going to get my shoes. Uh, sorry, get get <laughs> get, um, get my feet and be able to walk again. I obviously had to go shopping for shoes, and I can remember Tommy Tackies used to give me terrible blisters, and. Um, my cousin was with me and we went into the wine shop and I said to her, I can't buy Tommy Tackies because I'm gonna get I'm gonna get blisters. And she was like, Shan, that's never gonna happen again. And then the penny <laughs> dropped. And um, so this was after the, the accident. After the accident, yes. And um I used to be terribly allergic to avos. My lips used to swell terribly. Same thing. I can't eat avos because my lips are gonna swell. Oh duh, they're not your actual lips, you know. Just <laughs> <laughs> that's not gonna happen anymore. Um, yeah, to people saying just hold on, and I'm like, hold on, to yeah, what? to what? <laughs> <laughs> um, but Ugh. yeah, there has been some some funny stories, and even like in in the hospital and stuff, they they so used to me being able to do a lot of things for myself, where they'll just also just hold on to this or just sign your name or you know, and I just I just laugh. But I think it's also like. It's just about finding the the joy in the, the humour in the, in the humour in these moments, you know. Yeah, and I think uh, it helps you heal as well. And 
when people are too serious all the time, it's you, you kind of stay stuck. And that's definitely what has got me this far, Josh. I could have sat back and I could have been depressed and I could have said, oh, look at me. Why me? First of all, nobody's going to be able to answer that question. So just get over it, you know, just carry on with what you got. I mean, if I had sat in that mindset, I don't think I would have been here today. I think I would have been six feet under long ago because depression and that can can put you there. And I think that my positive mindset, my trying to find the funny side of everything and the humorous side and laughing it off basically, you know, when somebody said to me, just hold this, I could have turned around and said, what do, what do you think, I, you know, come on, <laughs> get with it. How am I going to hold this? I could have, you know, had that instead of just laughed it and said, yeah, sure, you know, right. <laughs> you know, it's just the way that you approach things and see things. And yeah, I think that's that's why I am still here today. And that's why you've come so far. Correct. Oh, but anyway, this has been absolutely incredible. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for allowing me to come here and help you tell your story. Thank you so much, Josh. It's been so nice to catch up again. It, it really has. That's been awesome, eh? Thank you. And thank you to everyone for watching. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and that you're still wide awake, as always. <laughs> <laughs> also, I've been looking at the analytics for the channel and... Um, Apparently, 97% of the people that watch our videos are not subscribed. So if you guys enjoy the video, only if you enjoy it, subscribe to the channel because there'll be many more podcasts coming your way. And just lastly, make sure that you go check the link in the description for Shannon's Backup Buddy. Let's really see what we can do here. Um, yeah, let's, let's try and do something, something amazing. Thank you. <laughs> it's my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Cool. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>